Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? only and longest running star trek the next generation rewatch podcast this is the one brought to you by people who are there to make the show make the magic see the magic and experience making that magic every week my name is mitchell mel chief consultant services at paramount with me is my life partner brandon hobbs brandon how are you doing today oh mitch mitch i'm doing great any uh, any reason well um Big news. Okay. They uh they 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 caught the fella who killed his girlfriend, right? Yeah, I remember you were following this case with quite uh quite an interest. Yeah. <laughs> um he was a Star Trek fan. Right. And most um, most killers tend and to be. Yeah, so I, I have a bit of a, a bit of an interest in in following these kinds of uh what you might call anecdote anecdotal stories right 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 real anecdotes Um, just just trying to collect as many as possible um just to 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 kind of find like a a, the 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 point where murderers and star trek fans converge you know i think that was deep space nine um so it's there's a lot to be said, I think, about the the confluence of uh, of these two fan bases, mm. um, murder and Star Trek, and I think it ends before the convention. I think the people who attend the Star Trek conventions are too um, weak willed to go through with murder. Yes, but yes. but but the people who just enjoy Star Trek casually at home are just unhinged enough to, and to to do it. That's a that's a good point. You know, you're only as um you're only as effective as your Jungian shadow, right? Right. We say that all so, the time. Um you know, the people going to Star Trek conventions are not embracing that. We should set up a um a young panel at at the next convention we head up. Too. I don't know. We're a little old to be setting up a young panel. This is true. This is true. But you know, I'm still interested in the young. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. Oh, I love the young because. So I mean, here's here's what I love about the young. It's that no matter how old I get, the young just stays the same, right? That's true. That's true. You're always able to. Um, really dive deep into the young just just as mm-hmm. you did 40 50 mm-hmm. years ago oh yeah Head yeah first. it's 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 nostalgic yeah yeah hmm. some things never change you know that's, I, that's true in this crazy winding world of ours um so i have an exciting announcement i oh, what's that i am trying a both a new latte and a new cookie right now so oh this is yeah so the latte is an earl gray tea latte now usually i just have earl gray tea like a certain someone Mm -hmm. um but apparently the starbucks sells it in latte form wow so i bought that i also have a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie here which is also new (laughs) a new you consider that a new cookie <laughs> what do you consider it? Well, I've I've uh, I've had white chocolate macadamia plenty of times together. It's like, it's like not having a oatmeal cookie, yeah. Hmm. Well, here's the thing: this cookie is very soft. It's not oh, a hard cookie. Well, I stand corrected then. Yes. So here's what I'm gonna do: um, live on the podcast, I'm going to attempt to dunk one of these into the other. Okay. So I have my mug, and I'm pushing it into the cookie right now okay 
The dunking's not going so well. Let me try this in the opposite no. order. Yeah, try it the other way around, and make sure make sure when you when you go for the taste, make sure we can hear it. All right, I'm gonna get really close to my microphone. I've dunked. Okay. Actually, hold on. Let me dunk live on mic. Okay. And can you hear that? No. All right. Well, rest assured, I did it. All right. I'm now. I'm gonna eat live on mic. Can you hear me eating? No, I didn't hear that either. Oh, I'm going to eat louder. A little louder. A little louder. Can you hear that? No, your mic is just too good at not picking up eating sounds. Oh, shit. Well, now it's like I didn't even eat it. It's a shame. Yeah, I was so focused. Did you do the cheese pull? I did did the nut pull. The nut pull, yeah. yeah. I was so focused on making eating sounds for the enjoyment of the audience that i forgot to enjoy the cookie so (laughs) well you know that is kind of the the eternal plight of the um food critic on youtube it's true right they they do it for the audience i think they made a a, an animated sitcom about this on fox yeah like years ago yeah so this week's question of the week comes from um, a man named Alex. Actually, that's that's a good question. Do you think Alex is a man or a woman? Um. Well, in the spirit of the episode, I would say I am not going to make a judgment on that. Very prudent. But regardless of what it is, Alex is from Boston. And um, Alex says, hello, admirals. I think we all make mistakes. Do you have any stories of on-the-set accidents from TNG's production? Any funny boners, perhaps? Mm. Thank you for everything you do, Al. All right, well, you know, there we go. You're going to refer to yourself as Al. That's probably a man. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I have I have one story. I I, I know you, you hate when I tell this story, but I got to tell this story. Well, I think look, we have we have lots of boners. Okay, I don't know if you need to tell we, that particular story. No, it's it's come on, it's so good. Come on. All right, you, you you're gonna love this, you guys at home. All right. So one time, Brandon and his infinite wisdom. Brought... <laughs> okay, I got. He brought a quadcorder prop to a scene that was written for tricorder. <laughs> uh, he brought a quadcorder to a tricorder fight. You remember this? I know you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The director at the time he was he was fucking furious beside himself. He was someone shouting. I remember he took the quadcorder from the actor you handed it to, and just wailed it right at your head. Yeah. Great. Yep. So yeah. you would think that this is where the story ends, but no, they 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 fired him. They fired Brandon on the spot, and uh, he had the walk of shame out. It was it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And this might sound like a pretty heavy thing, but for those of you guys not in the know, um, directors, producers, they don't know anybody on the crew. You know, you you dye your hair, you come in the next day, it's like nothing ever happened. So I'm able to joke about it. Maybe you're not, but. Well, you know, I've I've gotten over it, um, but it was a traumatic experience. I I did have to go to the hospital, um, and then I had to go to the hairdresser, which I, it seems painful after the the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's painful. The thing is about the quad quarters is that each um, quarter weighs a, a substantial amount, so the quad quarter is quite a bit heavier than the than the tricorder. Well, yeah, you know, which is kind of annoying that, you know, if, if I knew that was going to happen, I wouldn't have lugged it over to set that day. Right. You would have taken the, the prudent option with a duo quarter. Right. Ah, uh, well, but... Uh, what are you going to do? We had many, many such funny boners on the set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of boners. Lots of boners. And, you know, Alex, you're right. Everybody does make mistakes, you know. It happens. In show business, it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But good question. It's fun to relive uh, the good times, the very good times. Uh, they, they were okay times. 
the before times. You know, before yes. we uh, aged 40 years. Right, right. You know, but before we became extremely wealthy from our podcasting career. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout, shout outs to the Patreon patrons. Yes. Um. No, that's it. How many? How, how many? How many? Uh, yeah. How many admirals do we have? The admiral tier. Um, yeah. Let's go see. I know there was a new one recently, so I want to update my uh, my data here. Hold on. It looks like we're at six admirals, which is wow. pretty good for an eight hundred dollar a month uh, subscription tier. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, guys. Your postcards are in the mail. I know you look forward to those every two months so mm-hmm. they're coming yeah shout out to the admirals thank you so much uh it's it's amazing that you know at our age we get to do <laughs> what we do here every week and uh i would go so far as to say it's what keeps me alive yeah i would say that too it's definitely what is stringing you along mm-hmm all right, so if you want to be like Al, Alex, and have your question answered on a weekly basis, um, email us at thereadyroom at gmail.com or tweet at us at thereadyroom, or you could even comment on our YouTube channel, The Readier Room, with your question of the week, and if it's good, we'll answer it. Uh, yeah, so that's going to take us to the episode for the week, which is Who Else But Q? Who but, who, but, who but Q? Who but Q? And actually, it's funny because this was going to be uh, the 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 latter episode in a, in a set of episodes. Mm. You know, one of them was called Knock Knock. Right. The next one was right. called Who's Who's There. Right. Yes. Right. Um, it was a, um, we, a rather progressive bit of writing. Like yeah. Maurice ended up having to kind of shave it down to to one episode, which I guess you know was probably for the best. Right. Uh, it worked out. It worked out pretty well. Um, luckily, God, what an episode! Luckily, we were able to recycle the ladder concept in a few episodes with uh, up mm-hmm. the long ladder. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Um. So, so God, what 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 to say? Uh, this episode is so good. Yeah, it's um rather excellent in um, just about every bit of it. And it's it's interesting because Maurice seems to have kind of a unique idea about how to write Q. Uh, and and so far as what? Well, so before he was kind of antagonistic. He was devilish, I might say. Mm. Um, kind of interested in just entertaining himself. Whereas in this episode, you you sort of see a little glimmer of him having compassion Mm. to a degree, at least for the people he likes. And I think this is the episode where the Picard-Q relationship really kicks off. Yeah, he's certainly a more, um, he's a deeper character than just in the capricious agent of chaos like he was before. Right, and, um... Clearly, clearly, everyone everyone loved Delancey. We loved writing for Delancey. We loved his acting. We we there were a lot of things we didn't love, of course. But right. Um, but with John Delancey, that's just you know part of the package. Yeah, but he he really shines. Does a great job, of course. Uh, how, lots how you... of interesting character moments. Um, but I'll I'll leave that I'll leave that vague for now. What were you gonna ask? How do you feel about um, the exchange of in exchange for getting a deeper cue, we have a much less silly cue. <laughs> that's it's a real question. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, I guess. You know what I think it is? I think I think this episode is written as such that like it's it's almost so serious. The plot is so serious that it would be weird to have a silly cue. Right. Uh, I can't say I missed it too much. I mean, De- Delancey was silly enough. Yeah. So. 
that's that's what the cameras don't show. It's uh, right. While the script was tightened up on the uh, the seriousness of it all, Delancey was still as off the wall as ever. Yeah, like for example, we had to rewrite a considerable amount of the uh, the opening to this episode because Delancey showed up on set and um, just refused to wear anything except for his his custom made Starfleet uniform. I remember that originally it had five um, little circles insignia, <laughs> and we had to tell him that that was meaningless in, in the universe. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't believe he uh, he cared much for the the canon of the show, but it was all kind of a, a pitch from him to to work his way into the the a spot on the main cast. Um, which which didn't work, even though we would eventually run out of ideas and have to call him back. Mm. But now um, there's when you're watching this for the first time, there is the possibility that that could happen, even if you know your your um, I don't know your story writing brain tells you that that could never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but how would you feel if things had taken that trajectory and and Q had joined? the main cast <laughs> uh, it's not a good idea i mean it's not a good idea insofar as you can never have tension tension again but right it it is a good idea in that you get to see john delancey pal around with uh i mean favorite guys if if they went the route of obviously taking away his powers i think delancey has the charisma to carry a character through uh you know several seasons uh, and, and there's there's plenty of character development there to be had, you know, uh, a kind of omnipotent entity having to deal with becoming mortal. I mean, I, I feel like that's interesting, but uh, I believe that's everybody's uh, 20s that you're describing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true, but it's relatable then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I would have would. I enjoy entertaining the possibility of um, this alternate timeline TNG, where he was just there in whatever capacity, but obviously it's, that's not the way it should have been taken, and it wasn't taken that way. Right, right. So all's well that ends well, really. Right, right. Now there's a lot to go over here because this episode in addition to just being solid, um, sets off a lot of things. It Yes. It Obviously, it introduces the Borg. It also kind of fleshes out Guinan in a, in, a yes. way, in a way that will have the most disappointing payoff of just about anything. <laughs> we, have, we have almost seemingly apropos of nothing, we have a, a, a weird Q and Guinan standoff. Right, well, that was apropos of nothing, because when Delancey came on this t- for the table read and he saw Whoopi. That's just what they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I, I do not know how the two of them knew each other. Or what animosity. We're talking about the actors here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, we I think who was it? Who was it? Was it was it um Brent that said we need to use this? Because you know right. he, he saw their kung fu poses that they were doing in the, the reading room and um He's like, that's perfect, and it made genius. it genius. Made it to to the final cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so in canon, uh, this is I think when we when we first learn that Guinan is kind of a uh, an advanced life form, right? But not advanced enough for the Borg. <laughs> not, yeah, which which really makes me, I, I it makes me have to think here because because Q really. The Borg couldn't do anything to Q, right. but Q kind of treats Guinan as if they're equals to a degree. But she was at the complete mercy of the Borg. Right, yes. so something's not adding up here. Let's break out the blackboard and do some long division on this. On the, the power differentials of Guinan's unnamed race and the Q continuum. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a power level ranking. Now, I want to ask you about the Borg. 
How do you okay. fe- how do you feel about the Borg? Just they're very iconic now, and um, they've seeped into the larger cultural zeitgeist in ways that few things from Star Trek have. But yeah, taken on their own, if you just saw this episode, um, what do you think of the Borg? So I think the Borg is well. Obviously, they're they're informed by very informed by Geiger. Mm. Uh, which is cool. That's that's an that's a cool aesthetic. I think they have a cool aesthetic. A little cheesy, of course, but um, there's some body horror in there, you know, which is always uh, always just fascinating to me. Mm. The idea of a proper threat to the galaxy or whatever is probably much needed but um i can't help but can't help but feel a little off about the fact that they pilot a giant cube yeah it's it's i i want to say good things about it and then i know the story behind it and it's like well i can't can't praise this too much uh-huh. Um, so let's get that out of the way. I think the design of the Borg cube was a was a bet of some sort yeah. between the designers, like the people, you know, putting together designs like that, the costumes, whatever, um, to see how little effort they could put in and still receive their paycheck. <laughs> right, right. And I believe that that has set the record nobody has done mm-hmm. less and received more since then no it's 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 a big box yeah but uh you know you can rationalize this in a lot of ways like oh it's 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 so alien you know it's it's doesn't even look like a ship it's so yeah. completely different from us but yeah that that's that's cool for a first impression but this is set up um how many hours of footage of oh my god that giant cube is gaining on us which <laughs> loses its um alienness the more familiar we, you become with the board and, yeah and yeah then it looks kind of silly um the inside of the ship was okay i guess i feel like we get a much better set for that in uh best of both worlds yeah well that's season three versus season two right but what I like a lot about the Borg is how their alienness comes through very well in their actions rather than just mm-hmm. their design. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make the ship look like whatever you want, but nothing is going to seem more wrong and out of place than the Borg not even uh, regarding the invading uh, Enterprise officers as yeah. or acknowledging them as anything. Which is um, yeah. an extremely alien way of thinking. It's like, oh, I, I, ha- I'm so, I'm such a fucking robot that I have no fear of this situation, and until I have sufficient reason to, I'm just not going to regard this as a threat because I, I know the situation so well. Right, um, right. It, 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 uh, it, sh- it shows just a, a lack of that the, the self preservation. Right you would usually find in you know an individual of any species really uh i like them conceptually because they really for so star trek has always been about um you know communication right mm. and i think leading up to this episode there was a lot of kind of proselytizing good word oh uh, uh, yeah thank you um a lot of a lot of kind of holier than thou sort of script writing uh, from the point of view of of the crew of the Enterprise and the Federation as a whole, mm. and I like that this forces our main characters to uh, kind of you know sit down, be humble. Well, that was Q's whole prerogative, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, you guys yeah. are a little too big for your britches, right? Too big for your bridges. On every, your every other interaction, and that's the thing. Every other interaction with Q so far, um, kind of just ended with with Picard 
um, you know, lecturing Q about how superior humans are. So I feel like Q wins this one, you know? Right. And it's it's nice because, I mean, yeah, Q's arrogant and that doesn't really gel with what we are accustomed to praising in society. But he's mm-hmm. literally an omnipotent being. He should be correct. <laughs> yes, yes, he should be correct. Um, you are you are right about that. So yeah, it's it's good, and you know the episode kind of ends with Picard acknowledging the the uh, the usefulness of of the proceedings. Right. Now I wish that this had um, not in this episode, but going forward. The, the the omnipresent threat of the Borg was paid more uh, lip service, where there's more mm. dread or more acknowledgement that they're coming, um, to really hammer home when they do end up showing up again. To right. know it's time, and not, oh, you know, we'll forget about this for a season and a half, and uh, now they're here. <laughs> Yes, um, I guess pacing-wise it's a little weird. Um, speaking of which, though, it's sort of tangentially related. Um, the Borg, I think we talked about this during the neutral zone in Season 1, um, where they, they were supposed to show up there. Yes. And I like that they didn't, because we get a little bit of continuity we weren't expecting here. Um, and it works so well. Where, oh, where yeah, Data yeah, they refer has... to this happening at the neutral zone. Okay. Yes. But that begs the question, because the neutral zone is very close to Federation space. It's on the border of it. Um, why haven't the Borg... Like, if they're at the neutral zone, why didn't they just invade the Federation space? Or the Romulan space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, well, so, so this becomes even more complicated by the fact that in Voyager, we learned that humanity already knew about the Borg several years before this episode. Oh, of course they did. Yeah, so. The Enterprise is just staffed by idiots who uh, didn't keep abreast of this. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. But yes, I mean, in, in this within the same series that you're right, that is kind of a a weird oversight. Now, obviously, you make those remarks about the, in, in the Neutral Zone episode, you're not going to be privy to uh, the ramifications of what will be implied later on. Uh-huh. It's not a big deal. I, I'm, I'm not a nitpicker. It's, it's, it's not the kind of thing, it's not the kind of thing that, you, um, that you really pay attention to, I guess. Because uh, I sure didn't. Hell no. But overall, I um, think the board were, board Borg were a success. Yeah. Now, the people, do you know the origin of the name Borg? Um, it was uh, uh, God, what was his name? The guy in makeup. The guy in makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, that was Al Borgenstein. Yes, 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 Al. Yeah, um, he was actually the one who um, did kind of the finishing touches on, uh, on the makeup for the Borg in this episode, and uh, we, we decided to name them after him. Which is a great little bit of misdirection, because most people think that, oh... They're cyborgs. Right, yeah, yeah. Actually, nothing to do with that. Couldn't be further um, from the truth. And, you know, of course, shout out to, to Michael, who, you know, was always amazing. But uh, Al Al really kind of brought it home. He did. And uh, he lives on uh, in memory. You know, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Every time I see the Borg, I think of, I think of Al. Now, he wouldn't be happy about that because he was very, very unsatisfied with his work on this episode. But, like it or not, it's his legacy. Mm-hmm. Shame. 
other things this episode introduced. Um, Ensign Gomez. Ensign Gomez. Yes, yes. At the uh, at the request of uh, of Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. I don't. He didn't quite request like an an Ensign Gomez character. He he did request a scene where a quote smoke. I don't want to say this. Quote smoking hot <laughs> Latina spills something on him and has to like rub and dab it off of his body. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Anson uh, Gomez was created to fill that void. Yes, and uh, wow, what a scene, huh? It certainly leaves your head spinning, and it's uh, crazy to think that the episode starts here with this incredibly stilted conversation between Gomez and Jordy, and this awkward, you know, meet the captain thing. It immediately transitions into a, a cue, serious tone, heavy. Yeah uh episode yeah there's some dissonance there i kind of like it and uh i see enough that woman that poor woman you remember she was supposed to be uh kind of a recurring character going forward but we only had her for one more episode yeah i mean television is a, a vast land of supposed to television <laughs> i guess I so say. but it was kind of just it, it didn't need to happen so <sighs> she was an attractive woman so maurice hated her uh of course right and um a lot of the other higher-ups kind of felt like you know we haven't really had any any hispanic representation thus far we haven't needed it we haven't gotten any letters or anything like that so you know why start now um so she she got the axe within a couple episodes um and it's a shame because you know if she was just you know one or two seasons later down the line she wouldn't have had to deal with that yeah but uh it, the, i like the coffee scene okay i don't mean to be petty here but i need <laughs> you to know and the audience to yeah. know that it was actually hot chocolate right hot chocolate not coffee this right, hot chocolate. The, 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 you, i don't think you understand the significance of it the fact that it's hot chocolate shares sheds a lot of light on her character um, mm -hmm. because she's not ordering coffee because she's, you know, green and young and, uh, um, you know, inexperienced. So she's still got this immature streak as evidenced by her ordering hot chocolate. Right. Yeah. Right. Only, only babies drink hot chocolate. Exactly. It's a, it's a literary device. It's someone's <laughs> beverage to, to show where they're at in there. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that deep. That's, it's, that's it's, interesting. It's the same reason we had all those cut scenes of Wesley Crusher ordering a soda pop from the replicator. Right, 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 right. Well, with him, it makes sense. I, I just didn't pick up on that. But uh, I, I like, I think, I think the, the spilling of the hot chocolate, that scene, stood out to me so much because it's sort of rare to in this series at least so far to find a scene that is so superficially relatable among the main cast superficially relatable huh so you or i could spill hot chocolate on on our boss you know right anybody uh, we, could. we we couldn't you know misplace the 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 photon cannons or whatever you know what i mean it's like it's like S says the it's... guy who who supplied the wrong quad quarter. Okay, okay, okay. Calm down, Mitch. I just I just think it was it was such a down to earth scene. That's all. It was despite this taking place in space. It, I, that's due to editing, I think. Um, the original cut had her cleaning up a card for a solid seven minutes, which really hurt the relatability oh, yes. of it. Yes, 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 yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. But it, what we end up with is yeah. is something that's quite a quite a bit more tame. Thank you, editors. Thank you, editors. Now I remember that the scene immediately following this was a bitch to to conceptualize to film. Oh, um, uh, which one was that? That's with um, Picard and Q, and you know, Picard's got his uh is dirty oh uniform. yes that's right speaking of the editors yeah yeah we have to use some serious movie magic here huh 
You, these um, things don't just happen, you know. It, people take right. it for granted because it's such a small right. thing. <laughs> I know most people don't even notice it, but this this took some serious play. So, uh, what happens here is is Q kind of moves his hand over Picard's uniform and cleans it up for him. The hot chocolate. Yes, the hot chocolate, and we had to do something. I I don't know, a little unprecedented here, uh, where we filmed two separate versions of the scene. One where Patrick had the stained suit on, and mm. one where he had a new clean suit on. And what we did was we had editing splice those together, so it just looked like Q uh, kind of uh, did like a magic spell on his on his on his uniform. Um, and uh, I would advise all the ensigns listening to to not let Delancey tell you any differently. He will insist on that just not even being in the script and just mm -hmm. being him. Mm -hmm. But Delancey is not to be trusted on, no. on most matters. No, never. John Delire, I always called him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it difficult to, I don't know, think critically about this episode. In the sense that I was watching it again, and, and you know, of course, I've seen it before, but I was just kind of engrossed in it. Yeah. Very, just, I, I have no complaints. I'm into the story. I'm into basically every step of its development. Mm. And um, my mind just wasn't working in the same way. Because there, there wasn't just a bunch of stupid shit jumping out of nowhere to... To yeah, steal my attention. I think the thing is, there's just so few holes in this this episode. <laughs> Indeed, you know, you can make a remark about oh, the board costumes don't look amazing, you know, whatever. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. They um, bunch of people died on the Enterprise. Yes, uh, with a with a very cool effect, by the way. Um, actually, they they did not die in the Apocrypha; they were assimilated. You fucking kidding me? Yeah, that I don't know why, but that actually makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we learned that in some Star Trek book. It's okay, everybody. They're just Borg now. Right, right. P perhaps a fate worse than death. But really cool miniature work there. Yeah, uh, the cross section coming out. Dan, yeah, Dan did a, an amazing job with that. Um. You know, they're miniatures, but they take a big effort. Mm-hmm. That's right. And one, one thing I, I didn't appreciate, which I think we've seen before, is that stupid ship flinging effect. From when uh, Q transports them around? <laughs> yeah. Which I think it's got to be exclusive to the to the new Blu-ray. Uh, th that was that was absolutely CGI. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it looks so stupid. It's what's funny about it is that it's completely unnecessary because Q, yeah. Q can transport matter literally instantly. It, it doesn't need right. to actually travel. So right. why does the ship need to travel other than to establish that it's moving? Because mm -hmm. unlike with people, when they move across the room, you can see it. The ship just moves through space. Oh, I didn't notice. Right. That's the viewer. Right. So it's ridiculous because... Uh, people are stupid. That's Audience right. Audience is stupid. Star Trek fans are stupid. Or murderers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of stupid murderers too. There's the ones that get caught. Um. You ever hear God. about Albert Fish? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. He was not a stupid murderer. He was not. He was as cunning as he was ruthless. He was he was very prolific, indeed, and a um, a sadomasochist. I think we'd be remiss, you know, while we're talking about the uh, the crosscut of the Enterprise, if 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 we didn't mention Michael here. Yeah, I mean that's a key scene for Michael in this episode. Not for plot significance, but for amount of work put in. 
<laughs> the ratio of work put in to um, length on the uh, of screen time is insanely off in favor of the former. This was mm. an all night endeavor. So you probably don't remember this scene in the audience because it's so insignificant. <laughs> what what happens is that the Borg <laughs> cut out a cross section of the ship and and Worf, Michael, has to say the line, a type of laser beam is slicing into the saucer section, which has a run on of alliterative S's at the end there. Slicing into mm-hmm. the saucer section. Slicing into the saucer section. Slicing into the saucer. And this was apparently just too much for Michael, who would, who would trip over his words a lot inside of um, inside the shot while we were trying to get it. And originally, you know, everybody was in the shot. It's just like this dwarfs in the back of the console, and he says this. But he was taking so long. It's like 20 takes. It was unreal. So what we ended up doing is we just moved on ahead. And we decided to film that that night with just Michael. We'd cut, we'd bring the camera in closer, um, frame it a lot more tightly, and he'd be the only one in the shot, so he could kind of film it at his leisure. Right, right, right. It was like three, three or four in the morning when we finished, when we finally got it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, shooting wasn't going to stop the next day. We had to get right back to it. So Michael just went and took a nap in the the wharf makeup. There wasn't time to take it off and reapply it. Right. Real pro. Yeah. Um. Y- you know, his his inability to act notwithstanding. Right. In that uh, ways, he was quite the amateur. But in other <laughs> in other ways, he was a professional. Yes. A consummate yes. a consummate professional. Uh. But it just goes to show, you know, how much work goes goes on behind the scenes for the the silliest things you know yeah two seconds of screen time that nobody remembers actually eight hours of work speaking of which i love the scene in the meeting room where q teleports away and the chair spins (laughs) i like to think that was intentional by q like yeah yeah he just wanted it to spin yeah, I, I I loved that. That was just like they they didn't they, they didn't need to do that at all, but they did. Do you remember Craig? Craig. Craig, yeah, the producer's son. He you oh. know he was just touring the set that day, and um you know he wanted to like oh I want to want to help TNG I want to be part of a production crew so we're like all right you know Craig. Um, when we say now, I need you to spin this chair really fast. Oh. And um, he was so excited that he was able to, like, you know, work for work on television. Right. He was, like, I don't know, wow. like nine, eight years old at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you check, he got a, um, a special thanks credit at the end. Oh, so, okay. And since you can go back and look at the uh, the credits there. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. Where was I? Uh, I think you were still, you know, tending to Brent in one of his, uh, I don't want to say meltdowns, but, oh, you know. Yeah, well, it, it was an issue of, look, Brent plays an android, of course, uh, and he felt he felt a certain way about the introduction of kind of a more advanced race of androids to the show. Uh, he, he, he thought it was going to make his character obsolete to a degree. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he thought he was special, uh, that kind of thing. Um, because, you know, up to that point, he, he was the one who basically resolved uh, every plot point, like a De- deus ex machina, um, if we're not counting Wesley. Um, They're right up there with each other. Yeah. So one day he just he just starts breaking down and I'm talking ugly, ugly crying, uh, makeup just streaming down his face. And uh, I mean, so someone someone had to take him to the other room and, you know, sort it out somehow. It's always tough consoling Brent because you can't talk up his strengths to make him feel better because he doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't really have any. You can't be right. like, oh, Brent, don't worry, you're so funny. You, you, you just can't say that. 
he's he's unpredictable too. Mm. I mean, one second he'll be like, you know, he'll stop and kind of brighten up and and st- start seeming like he's okay, and then the next second it's just an immediate reversion back to 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 the breakdown. Yeah. Um, but luckily, nothing really happened in that vein. We only got like five Borg episodes, so it was okay. Yeah, and how many you know episodes did Brent appear in? More than five, almost assuredly. Definitely more than five. Yeah. So good, for, good for him. I hope he's so, found some peace now. I'm sure. I'm sure he has. I hope he's resting in peace. Hmm. I found this uh, this line incredibly ab- abstract, incredibly abstract, and incredibly arbitrary. Um, where I think it's Data who says while while they're on the Borg ship that the Borg are no longer reading as separate life forms when they're hooked into the their little pods. Yeah, that's that's weird. How, how would you even detect that? I don't know, and arbitrary is a really good way to describe it because that has no bearing on the plot. <laughs> well, they, they do scan the ship and say, oh, there's no life forms aboard, but I don't know if that's... You're right. I guess that does have no bearing. I guess it's like a little mystery, but no one cares. Right. It's a little mystery that's solved in five minutes later on. Right. Right. Yeah. Because what exactly are their scanners scanning for? Independent thought? (laughs) Right. Right. And the Borg are still biological to a degree. They don't just stop being that when they hook up to the machine. The babies barely have implants at all in there. Right. They would have picked them up. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You like the little Borg babies? Captain, I'm seeing five babies <laughs> on Scanner. Now, is that Worf or Sean Connery? <laughs> A little bit of both. So was... Worf, Worf was written for Sean Connery. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was supposed to be kind of an older, hmm. kind of grizzled uh, sort of sort of crew member. But... Um... I don't know. It just never panned out. Then grizzled became black. Yes, yes. Uh, we 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 had quotas to fill. Indeed. I find it speaking speaking of the baby thing. Mm-hmm. I find it ridiculous that in the setting of Star Trek: The Next Generation, that the away team has to describe to the bridge what they see instead of just having something that can like film it. Do you remember that this was the? Um... The central plot point of an episode? No. There was some episode where, um, I think it's Jordy. It's either Jordy's visor or Data. Oh yes, yes, yeah. that's right. They like hook it up to transmit the uh, the visual of right. the away team, and it starts seeing like ghosts or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember exactly what the episode was, but it, it's like wow transmission of video it's our brand new technology <laughs> and we probably discussed this back there in fact i probably defended it but uh it, it's 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 a little weird this is also in the the universe where the the ship can you know whatever um visual device it has can see things like thousands and thousands of kilometers mm-hmm. away with perfect yeah. clarity right um, I also found it a little odd that uh, several dozens of minutes into the show, Picard was still kind of saying like, okay, how do we reason with the Borg, you know, despite kind of seeing one face to face, two face to face, and seeing that they can't be reasoned with. Maybe a nitpick. No, I mean, it's... Seems out of character for Picard to not notice that kind of thing. Right. I mean... It is in character for Picard to default to diplomacy, but he's not like an idiot about it, or he shouldn't be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, I kind of covered everything I wanted to say on this episode. It, it, we've basically gotten everything we can out of this. Um, we gotta watch fewer good episodes. The, the podcast will have in length. <laughs> um... I, I do have I do have one more behind the scenes anecdote. Well, that's that's the whole reason we're here, right? Right. So uh, we, you know we're just gonna have to come up with more stories for the ensigns. Remember of... more stories. We're gonna have to remember well, more yeah, stories. Uh, yes, of course. Yes. 
remember, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, unfortunately, this episode marked the the demise of the director's wheelchair. An old favorite. Yeah, uh, we had a bit of an incident on set. So so normally the the phasers we used they were either non-functioning props or they were uh, they were configured to shoot these just harmless beams of light right right um so third or fourth day of shooting we were doing that uh that encounter with the borg drone in engineering and um we have the ensign security character of course sh- you know shooting the borg um which obviously didn't make it into the final cut. Uh, this was the, you know, the this is what the script called for initially. Um, so he goes to shoot the Borg, and imagine our surprise when the phaser actually shot out a proper beam of rapid nadion that just burned a hole straight through the back of the uh, the the wheelchair, just the base, like right underneath Rob, just like narrowly missing him. It was the luckiest. Um, life-saving moment I've ever seen. It's just Unbelievable. a few inches. Yeah. Um, and so, turns out the prop master was sick that day. And uh, hierarchy would dictate that the fish master is supposed to take take on his duties while, while he's away. So, um, the fish master, ironically, forgot to remove the, the Fushigi no Umi mm. from, from the phasers. Um, which is, you know, what caused the incident to begin with. But, but naturally no one, no one was punished for this. Uh, not, not in Hollywood. No, 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 no. I always, that would just, that would be silly. I always said that if people just took the time to learn, um, proper, uh, phaser regulations. Yeah. Yeah. If everyone did, don't just make it one person's responsibility. Right. Well, yeah, there were plenty of people arguing that, you know, the person holding the phaser is the one who's responsible for any discharge, right? Right. Um, Now, you know, luckily it was kind of all for naught. I tried that defense when I was trying to get cleared of my child support, but it didn't really Mm -hmm. work. Yeah, yeah. Well, what can I say? The courts are a bitch, Mitch. Right. And it turns out you're always responsible for your own discharge. Yeah. Now I'm sad. <laughs> so what final thoughts? Final thoughts on this episode. It's great. It's um top two, three, one episodes that that, that we've seen so far. I don't really know what yeah. would be better than it. Is the, can you think of a better episode we've watched? Honestly, no. I think this is the best one so far. Hmm. I think other episodes may have had elements that were more interesting, but in execution didn't really do so well this is i think the first episode maybe not the first but the best episode that has had kind of uh both a solid concept and a solid execution yeah all the way through i want to stress that um it's i I don't like this episode just because oh it's the borg and i like the borg it's right it's a very solid piece of writing no matter what you had made the antagonist and obviously the borg being right. a thrilling concept helps this but it's it survives on a lot more than just their strength yes absolutely i agree it, it could have it could have really been anything so it it didn't need to be the borg um but yes i i 100 agree this this was a great episode so little to say about it because it was so good right <laughs> We we don't come here to praise Star Trek. No, 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 not at all. Um, but really, just great character moments that are kind of going to echo throughout the rest of the series. Um, great world building. Lots of things that are going to be followed up on here for possibly the first time in in the series. So, I guess Q would be that as well. A, a recurring yeah. element built upon yeah it's just like i said i think this is kind of where the character finds his stride yeah his, his relationship with the rest of the you know with with the crew Q's uh much better as a um uh, i don't quite know how to describe him but not an antagonist yeah 
Yeah, more of a force of nature kind of thing. Right. Which, you know, is also Delancey in real life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You have a trivia question for me? Uh, I do. Hold on. Hold on. So, who is our ensign this, this episode? Gomez. Ensign Gomez. So she shows up in Lower Decks and, and you know, we, we, we need to mention Lower Decks at any possible opportunity. It is the most progressive of the Trek. It is, it is. I mean, it's, honestly, you could throw out the rest of Trek right now and just keep Lower Decks and that's all we need. Right, just eliminate Star Trek from the title, just, just Lower just Decks. Just Lower Decks, yes. Oh, it's perfect. LD for um, short. LD, yep. What what rank does she have in Lower Decks? I am this close to just rattling off Captain. This close. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going to do it, Captain. Captain, it is! Yes! <laughs> oh my god. Captain, it is. Oh my god. Okay, what was the ship she was assigned to? There's no way it's the Enterprise. No. Um, and the Stargazer is Picard's old ship that was probably destroyed or bought by Ferengi, whatever happened to it. So I'm, uh, I'm going through the ships that I know. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll give you a hint, okay? Okay. Named after a Greek philosopher the, slash mathematician. The Archimedes. Yes! Holy shit! <laughs> wow, Mitch, good job. This is truly a red letter day. Between this and the quality of the episode, holy shit. <laughs> Congratulations. Wow, Captain Gomez of the USS Archimedes. Feeling feeling good. I'm feeling really there good. You have it. Yeah, Cloud good job. Nine. I'm proud of you. Do not give a shit about lower decks, but yeah. <laughs> this is good. Of course, of course that's what they do. Oh, this this is this is fucking Star Wars all over again. It's like, oh, this one character who was in two episodes and had a cumulative yes. 15 lines. Oh, they're the captain now. Well, she did appear in like some... She was like the main character of some book series. I, I think that was erotic fan fiction. Uh, it's, it's the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. Um, Someone else showed up in this, too, that we were talking about. I do remember you uh, saying this. The The Vulcan Doctor Girl, I think? Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. But she wasn't an engineer. She was a doctor. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Now, is it core like C-O-R-E or C-O-R-P-S? C-O-R-P-S, yeah. I see, I see. Uh, maybe, maybe I was wrong about that. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't know. But you definitely said that before. It's come yeah, up. we've definitely talked about the 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 star the, the Starfleet Engineering Corps or something. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Well, it sounds like with uh with my victory capping off things, it's gonna do it for this episode. I guess so. Yeah. It was um a less exciting episode than we've ever had based on our complete <laughs> agreeance on the po on positivity for the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next next episode, I'll be sure to hate for you. Right. Or like, if, if you hate it. Well, let's, whatever I say, just, just say the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get a good, in, a good, good episode next time. Yeah, we'll keep trying. Yeah. So join us then for some actual good content. And uh, until then, everybody, please stay ready. The Troublesome Little Man Child. that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable creatures.
program. It's not a promising beginning. 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 Beginning.